the Hot Topic Podcast. My name is Kevin Acey. I'm the Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, my boss, sports editor of the Union Tribune. We do this every series, or just about. And why wouldn't we do uh, now, Jay, as the Padres are about to begin a series against the Diamondbacks. And for the first time in 2019, the Padres are where they have spent most of the last nine years below 500. Kevin, how did this happen? <gasps> it was they were eleven and five, and now they're not. They're twenty three and twenty four. Uh, you know how I love the run differential uh, stat. You know when they were eleven and five, they were plus one. Uh, so they might have been just a little bit lucky in that eleven and five mm-hmm. start. Yep. And they were they have been negative ever since then. So that's a span of I don't know a lot of games. Uh, they are minus twenty four right now. Compare that with Arizona, which comes into town 25 and 22. So they're only, what, a couple games ahead of the Padres. But they are plus 28 on the run differential side. So if you believe in run differential, the Padres are actually still a little bit fortunate to be only one game under 500. (laughs) uh, And Arizona's probably right about where they should be, maybe even a game or two worse on uh, on that, but where do you want to start? What what has gone wrong? The Padres have lost eleven out of seventeen in May. They've lost seven of the last nine. We kind of wrote it off a little bit last week when we talked that well they played the Dodgers and the Rockies. Those are two pretty good teams. Of course, then turned around the Rockies got swept by the Phillies, uh, and the Pirates came in here and won three out of four. They had a couple pretty good looking ball players on that team. Uh, really impressed with Josh Bell. And and Brian Reynolds and the way the ball, ball kind of jumps off their bat, but oh. uh, but this isn't a Padre a Pirates podcast. So the Padres, on the other hand, didn't do a lot over the weekend. Got in a couple of big holes thanks to rookie pitchers on mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of days. So where do you want to start today, Kevin Acey? Well, well, Jay. I mean, you you said that we gave you know we explained they were playing the uh, Dodgers and the Rockies, and it's valid, but also. The same thing we've been saying all along is, you know, the Padres are who they are. And it's like my answer to everybody, be it visiting beat writers, be it fans, uh, you know, on the street or, or whatever. Anybody is anything I've said all along, whether they are, whether they were 11 and 5, 11 and 11, 22 and 18, all this team is, is a little better and a little more exciting. And, and the, you know, the future is, is probably going to be better than the now. I think that 22 and 23 is, a pretty decent place for a team that can't hit. I mean, uh, Ian Kinsler, what's funny about it is, you know, we've been, if we've been defending Ian Kinsler, who I think we're going to hear from later in the show, uh, play some of uh, Annie Heilbrunn's uh, sound uh, from, from Ian Kinsler, uh, talking about the incident. Don't think we need to explain it here on a family program. Right. Uh, but uh, were we defending him insofar uh, as much as we've been saying it's not just Ian Kinsler? Well, you know, they wouldn't even have beat the Pirates without Ian Kinsler. So, know, that's, uh, that's what's so funny. Uh, that, that whole incident <laughs> was, on, was on Thursday. It feels like it was so long ago. But that was the one win that they had over the weekend was Kinsler getting the big home run and then doing what he did after that, which I, I don't think that – anybody could defend what he did. I, no. I think there are varying levels of outrage that are probably appropriate to it. I, 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 you know, just speaking for myself, I don't think there's obviously any place for that, especially aiming it at, as he appeared to, to do, aiming it at the fans. Uh, the fans aren't the ones hitting 170. Uh, if he wants to, as he said, try to get his, his mates fired up, 
There's ways to do that without including the word you or all of them or people like that or words like that in his uh, in, in, in his outburst. Um, I, I do think Kinsler has taken a larger amount of the blame for this season. I'm not talking about the incident now. That's all. This yep. season, he's taken mm-hmm. a larger amount of the blame than he deserves. He's been the whipping boy on Twitter. I, I'm not exactly sure why. He hasn't had a good season, but there are a lot of guys who haven't had a good season. That's and our point. That's, and that's all I'm saying. I, I would never defend what Kinsler did the other day. I wonder how much we'll see of him. Even like this week against Arizona, they're, I believe they're starting three right-handed pitchers. So we've seen Greg Garcia a lot uh, against against right-handers. Uh-huh. So you wrote over the weekend about how Kinsler knows he's going to have to transition here once Tatis comes back. And that you know, and look, moving on a little bit, Tatis has been someone who has been missed quite a bit. And uh, so I, I think before before we get into that though, let's 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 pop in this tape here of what Kinsler had to say about what happened on Thursday. It looked like you had a message for the fans. Message for the fans? No, I didn't. That was for my that was for my teammates. I mean, it had nothing to do with the fans. It's for my teammates. It's an inside inside thing with them, and just trying to get everybody fired up. I mean, we had a tough road trip. Um, I'm a passionate player. You know, I I, uh, I try to get I try to get my teammates going, and, and that was it. We need uh, we need the fans behind us. I mean, that's that's what we need. We need uh, we need the city of San Diego to be passionate with us and, and on our side and. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's the way they see this team. Because a lot of fans felt it was directed to them. Okay. Okay. Passion it on. Yeah, I'm trying to get my guys fired up. I mean, we're playing a tight game. Um, you know, Fran Mill gave us the lead. We lost the lead, and you know, after that is kind of waiting. You know, waiting around. It's kind of been what we've been. You know, what, what what's been going on on the road trip. Uh, offensively, just kind of waiting around and. and I've been struggling, and finally come up with a big hit like that. Um, I was fired up. You don't really want to swing the bat, frustrated. You know, uh, you get in your own way. But uh, just to, just to be able to come up with that hit, it was it was nice to, to help the team tonight. You know, in my past four or five starts, I haven't really helped the team. So um, tonight to come up with that big hit, and then for our bullpen to close it out the way they did, they did and get the win, it was big. So there was Ian Kinsler talking about what happened on Thursday. It's it's obviously been discussed, dissected, every, anything you want. But as I was mentioning just before that, I think, uh, you know, even a bigger issue than Kinsler's failures this year is, is missing Fernando Tatis over these past few weeks. Lack of excitement in the on the offensive side, lack of excitement on the defensive side. Manny Machado has been fantastic as a defensive replacement for him, but there's been no replacing Tatis's offense. You know, Ty France has not been all that good. You know, when they've tried to go with Garcia and Kinsler, it hasn't worked. So this is a team that needs to get Tatis back in the lineup. And, Kevin, that's going to happen when? Well, the new projection is that it will be a Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. reunion. Childhood friends, Very number nice. one and two prospect uh, in Toronto. That said, the Padres have been somewhat surprised. Um, and be that that their medical staff, you know, was uh, too optimistic, or or that hamstrings are a tricky thing, which the Padres have said all from the start. But um, they expected him back before this. And and but you know what? They also said they were all along going to wait until this guy was 100. percent And evidently he's at 90. percent uh, That's what I'm told, and that uh, he still feels a little something. And no one's going to push him beyond what he is comfortable with, given his 
importance to the franchise going forward, uh, and certainly his, his importance to the team uh, right now. Uh, I would say a huge deal is that Will Myers has not even come close to replicating what Fernando Tatis brings, and he hasn't even come close to replicating what Will Myers has brought before. So right, there, there's even, a huge problem. Yeah, even in the first month of the season, yes. what Myers brought, and when, we, or maybe it wasn't even a month, but a few weeks, and and you know, I think we talked about it, and I think fans were excited about what Myers looked like he was going to bring this year, and now he literally strikes out every other time he comes to the plate, and and it sometimes seems like more than that, which is so. Um, let me ask you this: almost Jay, hard to believe. If- let me ask you this. If this is the worst slump of his career, both in not making contact and batting average, everything. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. It's like a 360 batting average on balls in play, uh, like leads the league or something. It's like incredible uh, when he's striking, but he's striking out. Anyway, listen, what if Will Myers rebounds in his Will Myers and he finishes with 25 homers and 30 doubles and 20 steals um, and he's on base at 320? Is Will Myers still a good is he a good player? Like if he just if he re- if he keeps doing this up and then these incredible valleys that hurt the team in such a bad way, like, well, what's the Will Myers story? Well, the Will Myers story is he's due sixty million dollars over the next three years, yeah. which makes him yeah. which makes him really difficult to trade. What what you would hope, and, and I'm not exactly sure what you're getting into in in the in your cabinet this morning if you've got Myers hit finishing with all those numbers. Uh, no. <laughs> today, by the end of the season. What I'm saying is, but he I know has what been you mean. I, before. It's no, not like he's of course. Broken. Of course, I, I know what I know exactly but what, what you is mean. He worth and, it? and what like, I was going to say, as you were as you were saying that, was going to be, boy, if you could get him to the point where he had trade value, you would try to trade him. The problem is, his trade value I, is limited by the contract that they gave him a couple years yeah. ago, and you know. I don't know. Right now, that you could you couldn't get anything for Will Myers. Now, if he got his numbers up to where you're talking about, maybe you could get a little something for him. You could get more if you were willing to pick up some of the money. But he's really, it, it's a really difficult situation because they need. If if you're going to say that they have Renfro and Reyes and those are going to be your corner outfielders, this team desperately mm-hmm. needs a center fielder. And and even if Myers is going to hit like you're talking about, I don't know that he's that you could put him in center field and say, okay, we're satisfied with that outfield of those three of those three guys. So especially in, in some of the parks this team has to play in, including its own. It's not as big as it used to be, but it's still a spacious park, you know, as, as are San Francisco and Colorado and a lot of places where the Padres play a lot of games. I, I just think you'd say, great, let's use him to trade for somebody, a, for, trade for a center fielder, but you're not going to get a. You're not going to get that with, with where he is. I mean, I, I, I really don't know what the answer is, for Will Myers at this point. Other than, he's completely useless to to anybody right now. Now I don't expect him to continue to strike out. You know, every other time he comes to the plate. I mean, I think he's better than that. But right now they're in a real bind with Myers, and you know, we can see what happens as the season goes on. But I, I don't know that there's an easy out at this point. It bothers me because I think everyone knows. I think highly of him as a person, and anybody who would meet him would think highly of him as a person. I see the talent that is there, but I can't help but think that that it's basically Matt Kemp. I mean, if you're, and I think that the next time that he does show that he has any value, it is going to be that type of situation where they have worked to trade him before, but they couldn't. And, and it's for the reasons that you've said. And that, but at some point, they're going to, and they're just, it's going to be some sort of package where prospects, 
Padres need a certain amount of money. It's just that at this point, it's um, the feeling in the organization is we can't keep doing this. That that is my interpretation of the situation. Right. I mean, I, I just think that you know going forward, and the, they, they as you said, they they have to have a center fielder on this team. I, I don't see Myers being the answer. The more time goes, I don't see Manny Margot being the answer. I'm not sure there's an answer in the farm system right now. Um, I, to me, that's like the the top priority for this team other than and, – and probably the top priority because I do think eventually in another year or two there's going to be plenty of starting pitching. But to me, the top priority right now is to find a center fielder. The other thing I would love to see, and maybe you could update on this, I haven't asked you about this in a while, is where is Mejia uh, at this point? Because the more we see Austin Hedges, the more, yeah. to me – he looks like a guy who needs to be a who needs to maybe be a backup at least for a while, and and let's see what Mejia can instead of playing Hedges five days a four or five days a week, maybe play Mejia four or five days a week, and let's see exactly what they have in this guy. Do you have any any timetable on his return? So my yes, that there'll probably be a short rehab assignment. He is catching and you know like catching bullpens and and he progressing every day supposedly to this point without any setback probably get him a little bit of a rehab assignment and then I would expect when he comes back for him to catch more what was going to happen and this is before any of us were let in on the on the injury is he was going to start a couple more times but he couldn't because the knee was bothering him right right well what if he'd started a couple more times and hit more would that have led to a couple more and so I think when he comes back he's going to be given more opportunity to start, mm-hmm. and that will certainly be the, my line of questioning as we go forward, and you know, probably be rebuffed as, as become Andy Green's uh, way of not say anything. But anyway, that's my problem, not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I would expect that he would uh, he, he would play more, and that the reason Mejia was brought in was because the Padres felt like they couldn't have that void in their lineup, especially if they didn't have it elsewhere. You could have a catcher not hitting whatever it is down to now, 150. You could have a catcher hitting 220 and, and whatever else was brought, the 16 to 20 home run, if he was in a different lineup. But he's not in a different lineup. Right, right. No, I mean, there's too many... And he's not hitting 220. <laughs> that's, that's true also. There's just too many holes in this in this lineup right now. And the I think the idea, the plan going into the season was this team was going to hit the ball and they were going to yes. score and they were going to score a lot of runs and that was going to make up for the fact that i think i texted you the other day might have been when margavichus was having his poor outing that you know this this pitching performance is, should not be really unexpected i mean they're 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 rolling out a group of starters as you've written many times i don't think anybody has more than 35 or 40 starts in the big leagues uh, maybe not even 35 at this point. Lucchese's right around there. It is 35 for Lucchese. Okay, so you're right around 35 starts. You know, Strom and Paddock are their two best pitchers uh, at this point. They're both on innings limits. You know, Quantrill or whoever else is going to come up and pitch, Margavichus, those guys are rookies that, you know, under normal circumstances probably wouldn't even be in the big leagues yet. Lauer and Lucchese. You know, Lauer's been disappointing, but even the the we've we've talked before about the ceiling on these guys being eventually number four or five starters. So we really should have seen this coming in terms of pitching. Oh yeah, where the letdown has been. And we did is, right, and we did because we talked about it. The and you wrote about it, and the letdown has been the bullpen a little bit, and especially the offense. And they were supposed to score more runs, and that was going to result in wins. Uh, but they aren't really they aren't really doing well, that. And These aren't excuses. 
these aren't excuses, but like the bullpen has been hit hard, man. And so like guys have been overused. And, and so there's an ex- explanation there, but you're hundred percent. This falls on the offense without a doubt. They, and I'll tell you what, people in the organization who've been around, which is most of them, you know, quietly worried about this. Like they knew it was going to happen. We're, we're wasting the best portion of the season by this starting rotation. Right, right. We, we left five wins on the table of, because this starting rotation gave us a chance and we didn't capitalize and because it's not going to continue to be a 3-4-0 ERA uh, by, this, by this starting rotation. And, and that's where we're at. So what's the, let, let's talk about this because this has been brought up where, and we talked a little bit about it on Thursday when we did our, our quarterly uh, report or whatever we called it. Um, should the Padres be looking to add pitching? And if they are, is there any pitching to be added? I know people look at Dallas Keuchel, and you know Dallas Keuchel's out there. He's not going to be signed before the draft because you know nobody's right. going to want to give up a pick. But the draft's only a couple weeks away. So after that, if there and and if there is any sort of bidding war for Dallas Keuchel, should I guess the questions are: Should the Padres be involved, and would it do any good? for them to be involved and it would do any good because would Dallas Keuchel want to come here when you got to figure there's going to be teams that are, you know, in contention and have a better chance of winning the world series that you would think Keuchel would want to go to. So where, where do you think we stand on the Keuchel situation and should the Padres even make a bid for him at this point? I'll leave it sure, there. They should make I'll hang bid, up and, and I'll hang up and listen. Except I won't I really saying, hang. That was awesome. Except I won't really hang. There's a, a deal. Without a doubt, I was told that they'll they're they're in on him. They'll be in on him. They continue the conversations. We all know that AJ Preller, in particular, is not going to give up what I believe is the uh, it would be the Padres' fourth pick. It's all based on uh, uh, what pick you give up now is based on whether you're revenue sharing or not. Right. So it's like right. after competition around B or whatever it's called. So uh, we know that AJ Peller is not going to do that. No one's going to do that. It, there will be contenders in on him. We know that Dallas Keuchel hasn't been signed, um, partially because the money he's asking for, and kudos to him. But also, teams don't think he's that great anymore. Mm-hmm. He's going to be an innings eater. I don't know how intention or how how intense the bidding will get, but I, I I think that the Padres, as I've said many times, are very aware of who they are. And so, look, they do need innings, but. If they're not contenders, as you mentioned, why would Keiko come here? Um, not that we know what his intentions are, but the Padres have Logan Allen to see. They have Cal Quantrill to see. Um, they, they're going to at some point have to give Jerry Keel at least a couple starts. Um, you know, they, they've got younger guys that well, they want to see. They we hope to see Lamette, Lamette later. Right. Right. Though so they believe that no matter what happens this year with Lamette, does he come back and throw five four-inning starts or, or ten five-inning starts, whatever, they believe Lamette, boom, penciled in, top of the rotation, or you know up there near the top uh, next year, though he'll still be on the rotation next year. Anyway, I don't know, man. I don't know. I've always thought Keiko made sense, and that's because people in the organization told me he made sense. Um, I, I guess the- Preller gives off every indication he's sticking with finding out what the guys they have to me, there's two things about the Keuchel thing, and I want to get back to finding out what guys can do because we, we talk, you, you mentioned <laughs> something to me off before we, we did this. But with Keuchel, the thing is, there's, to me, there's two ways to look at it. One is, yes, he'll eat up innings, some innings, you know, a few more innings than they're getting now out of, out of their starters. But the other side is, let's say, I mean, how many, what difference is he going to make in terms of wins and losses? 
if you want to look at it that way. Is he going to – is is if he has – even if he put together like a three-war season over the last half, and let, so let's say that makes him three wins better than, you know, your average Joe, is, is three wins a big deal? Or does it lead to more because he eats up innings? I mean, I know there's a there's an effect there. So I, I think it's good to be involved with him, but I just don't know. I, part of me thinks, why would he come here uh, unless he's just looking to, you know, spend a nice summer where the weather's nicer than, you know, some other some other places. Uh, but let's get so there back. There was a point when they ahead. were up up in the standings and they were, the, you know, that one of the most exciting Maybe a little different, and, right. Yeah, but – you know, reality has set in. So good for everybody for, you know, good for Keiko for knowing and good for the Padres for knowing. And I guess that's why you wait, right? So and you uh, talk, go you, ahead, Jay. Yeah, I was going to say you talked a little bit about, find, you know, Preller wants to find out what they have. And that was yeah. sort of the attitude that they had last year and probably the year before even, but especially last year. And then this, yeah. this year seemed like it was going to be a little bit different where – it was more than that. It was more than just, you know, seeing that. It was more about – it was also going to be about win, winning more games. Huh? So do you think there's been a shift in philosophy right now? and Or is it just a slight shift, and could it change based on what happens? Or what, what do you think is yeah. going on there? I think the key word you used is also. Uh, you know, they've been very clear all along. We're trying to win. But you got to understand, like – Wink, wink. We kind of know where we're at, and we got to find out where we can be next year. Um, I believe there has been a little shift in, let's say, particularly Andy Green's comments, and, and one that he made yesterday, and I'm, and I'm in the process of writing something right now, was about Cal Quantrill, and you know this competition uh, here at the back of the rotation. Basically, by sending Nick Margaviches down, they were essentially saying, Cal. You got a job for a while here, buddy. Right. Well, then he goes out and he gives up four runs in the first inning. He gives up five runs, you know, to his credit. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody be as bad the first inning and then as good after that. I, I mean, because the contrast is amazing. But anyway, um, Cal Contra's got some work to do. So rather than sending him up and down, maybe they let him do it here like they to give him the same chance they gave Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese. It seemed to me that that's what Andy Green was indicating might happen. Like I said, I'll be writing, I'll post it later today. I do think there's been a slight shift, like, or at least in them letting us know, hey, let's let's pump the brakes here. We still have some people we need to find out about. No, that makes sense. And and I, I do think it would be, and this is not a reason to give Quantrill the start, but I, I it seems like his his next start would be Saturday in Toronto. Seems like it'd be yeah. a cool thing to do to let him pitch in, yeah. to let him pitch in Canada where his dad pitched and all that. And all that stuff, and and maybe that's something that kind of gets him going. Uh, maybe he's able to figure something out in a different country as to why he can't get people out <laughs> in the first inning or something. I don't. Know. Maybe hearing "Oh Canada" will uh, will do it for him before uh, before the game. He's I'm, a I'm, smart guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I sure. Mean, and 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 then after that, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. If you know, sticking with the their rotation with off days and stuff, he'd get a start against the Marlins after that. And I think after that would probably be the Nationals. Both of those would be at Petco. So, you know, let, let's see what happens. I mean, if he, if he goes out and gets shelled again in Toronto, I'm not sure they can keep doing this where they want to fall, going to fall behind 4 nothing in every, uh, in every game. But you I do think it would be nice to see player. him pitch there. You were right, right. I mean, to, this, yeah. The last two days have felt like 2018 and 2017. I mean, it just has. Right. And I know they made a nice little comeback yesterday uh, and certainly had a chance to win that game. But, like, you're down 5-0 in the third, 4-0 in the first. I, yeah. 
you can't do that. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, uh, I think that's true. And you know, Logan I was just... Allen threw uh, five innings yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan Allen was always the guy who was going to be up before Quantrill. Um, I don't. I like I said. I I'm getting the uh, the idea that, that Quantrill will stay, but. Who, who could predict what these guys are going to do anymore? Uh, but Logan Allen's going to be up here soon. Right, right. No, I look forward to that. I was just looking at the schedule, and and I was they're they're one. They need one more starter to come up or something. Where right now Paddock's pitching tonight, Monday night, as we tape this, he'll pitch Sunday in Toronto, which means he misses a game at Yankee Stadium, which would have been kind of cool to see oh, him yeah. uh, pitch there. But now it looks like Strom uh, will will get the first game on Memorial Day at uh, Yankee Stadium. But anyway, that's a couple series away. I don't want to get uh I don't want to get too far ahead. I do want to mention that already on the on uh, uh on the site uh today and obviously we're taping this uh a couple hours before other people will hear it, but as a column from Tom Krasovic who's you know been around this team for I don't know, close to what 25 30 years now, uh, all through the Bochi years, wrote a column about the difference between when Bochi was hired uh, and how the pressure was on to win right away, how that's not the case with Andy Green. And, uh, you know, also brings up some, the ideas about how much help Bochi had from what was on his roster back then. Uh, you know, guys like Gwynn, Caminiti, Joyner, Finley. Uh, I don't even think he mentioned Vaughn. Uh, Fernando and Ricky were on the, the teams in 96. Kevin Brown. Obviously, was had one of the you know greatest one of the great seasons in Padres history in '98. So a lot more help and and than the Padres have right now in terms of the roster. And he even gives an opinion about you know whether the don't I, give the spoiler because it's kind of a surprise ending. Yeah, there's a, there's an ending about what he, what he thinks about <laughs> if Bo, if Bochi was managing this team uh, today. So anyway, people should uh, check that out either online or it'll also be in in print on uh, on Tuesday. Um, and by that point, the Padres will have played Arizona tonight is a paddock night and he goes against Luke Weaver who pitched pretty well against the Padres, um, uh-huh. in Arizona. And then tomorrow night is Zach Greinke, who the last time he was here, not only beat the Padres with his arm, but if I remember correctly, hit two, <laughs> home, hit a couple of home runs. <laughs> Um, yes, he did. Off Eric Lauer. Grank, Grank, or, uh, Lauer and Warren. Right. Granky at, at the plate this year is 7 for 24, and five of his hits have been for extra bases. He's he's slugging over 700, uh, which was pretty funny to see that. But more of more concern to the Padres is the fact that in five of his last six starts, he's allowed zero or one run for a total of two earned runs in 35 and a third. So... The Padres will be up against it tomorrow night, but Matt Strom has also pitched well. And then the final game on Wednesday, which is a day game, Merrill Kelly, who 11 innings, 7 runs against the Padres in two starts so far, and against Eric Lauer, who at some point needs to show some improvement, I would think. Yeah, uh, I think Joey Lucchese's had two real good starts, uh, the last two, and, and Eric the last one arguably until the end which sort of has been his issue mm-hmm. uh ran into it a little bit that's been eric's issue and and when you're eric lauer without say the you know the stuff right the the, the real electric stuff that's going to get you the out pitch that's going to get you out of stuff i mean you've got to be on when you're eric lauer um and he's on for four innings and not for one or something like that so yeah and eric lauer knows it too so 
hey, we'll yeah. see. Well, and it's a good, it's a good. T- these guys. Go ahead. I just think that's what these guys want to see. I mean, like we've said, we're not putting down Lauer. Um, it's that the Padres need to know if Lauer can be in the rotation when Mackenzie Gore is and when Garrett Richardson is and, and Denelson Lamette and Chris Paddock and Matt Strom. I mean, they need to know. Right, right. No, I mean, I. it's funny. I was looking at something the other day, and, and somebody on Twitter reminded me about Garrett Richards. I, it's like talking about next year's rotation. Totally forgot about him, another guy that – you know that they're counting on uh, as a possibility uh-huh. for uh, for next year, and and Lauer won't have it easy. I mean, the Diamondbacks have a good lineup, and I think they're second in the league in uh, second in the league in runs scored. They're first in slugging. So, uh, good another another good test for uh, Paddock and Strom and Lauer this week at Petco, and then uh, we'll finally get we'll get you out of the country, which I think a lot of people have probably been uh, <laughs> been pining for for years. And probably including the the person I just left, uh, you know, my house. She's probably happy. Canada, they have a no return policy. Let me ask you that. I don't know. We'll Um, have to we'll have to check on that. Uh, My last thing, and and, and this could take us down a rabbit hole. Let's let's not go there. But uh, you mentioned Garrett Richards. They're kind of uh, counting on or something. However you phrased it. No, they're counting on Garrett Richards. I mean, can you imagine? (laughs) Like like look, winning will solve everything. Every winning organization has made some huge multi-million dollar blunders but let's just say that garrett richards you know isn't what they expect him to be so chase headley ian kinsler uh you know garrett richards eight mil actually it would be 15 mil 15, to not right. pitch for him uh like at some point you know someone's <laughs> gonna have to answer for that well josh johnson was that a previous administration previous okay yes. but that was kind of along the same lines i think it was i've i don't know so I'm sure someone will no, correct you know, us. No, I think we... you're right. Um, I think that but... was this one. No, like those had like, like you know, Garrett Richards was sold to the people who write the checks as 16 mil is worth it because this guy is going to be our ace in 2000, uh, 2019 or 2020, I mean. Right, so, right. But anyway. No, I, I mean, that that, no, that would be uh, – it would be really interesting if you when you start talking about guys like him and, uh, uh, and Lamette. You know, coming back and and joining with uh, with others. Uh, Josh Johnson looks like he was signed in uh, 2013. So okay, so then uh, I should have just stuck with my original answer, which was no, that was previous regime. Right. Anyway. Right. Um, but uh, but anyway, that's enough for uh, for today. We've got three three home games coming, and then uh, assuming I, I assume that your that that phones work in Canada, and we'll be able to do this from. Uh, uh, from from Toronto, I'm sure you you have a, what a suite at the Sky Dome Hotel on uh, uh, for the weekend. No, that was a little expensive. I, I, I uh, I'm down the road a bit. Okay, all right, that's that's the right answer. So <laughs> anyway, that would have been cool though. I know, I know. So anyway, all thanks right. everyone for listening and uh, uh, join us again on Friday when one of us will be in Canada. All right, thank you everybody.